Welcome to Backseat Confessions Podcast. Slide into the backseat as we listen to mostly anonymous strangers tell us stories from their lives. I'm a rideshare driver in Atlanta, and the people getting in my car have absolutely no idea I'm going to ask them to share. My commitment to you is to tell at least a snippet of virtually every story recorded in my car in the order they were told to me. My hope is that you laugh, cringe, cry, but mostly connect to these amazing people. You may find a piece of your own story or just feel more connected to the rest of us. Join us, won't you? So, hey, my new friend, this is an adult podcast. Themes and languages are Definitely not suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Well, in this second episode of Season 1 of Backseat Confessions Podcast... There are actually two of the stories that I shared in the original bonus episode released last year. So that means this episode is going to be lit. Let's go. So this first story in our episode today is one of the most intense stories ever on Backseat Confessions podcast. Additionally, because it was only the sixth story that I had gotten... Uh, and the writer was just such a decent guy as well. It, it, it really helped me realize that this podcast concept was actually going to work. For that, and, and for just who this guy is, I'm so grateful. And kids, please, don't take candy from a stranger. Story number six, October 24th, 2020, 4.50 p.m. out trick-or-treating and my parents they thought we was old enough to go by ourselves at that point so we was trick-or-treating and West End have you ever been to West End uh yes I have yep all right so we was in West End and these apartments that's like it's behind the basketball court called Highwell Park yep we was in them apartments trick-or-treating and this man he just pulled up on us and he was like do you want candy and oh. we was like five six so we ain't really care about who we was getting the candy from we was like yeah we want candy my older brother he was with us but he wasn't really paying no attention to us like he was on the phone how old was talking he? to his girl how old was my brother at that time he was like 12 13 most but wow. yeah he was supposed to have been watching this. Uh, he didn't care. Wow. So the man, we got in the man's car to oh go get God. the candy because he said he, he lived around the corner. So we ended up driving like on the expressway. And at that point, we had got scared. And we was like, where are we going? And then he was like, it'll be really quick. We're going to my house. So my brother, I guess he went home. To tell my mom about what happened that he lost us or something and 
I guess my mom called the police because at that point we seen a bunch of police on the expressway just Whoa. driving. So at that point, I'm scared. And I can see that my brothers are not scared too. So we chilling in the back seat. We can't do anything. And out of nowhere, we just stopped at, on the side of the expressway. And he tell us to get out. Wow. So we get out of the car and he pulled out like a real small, like, it's like a gun, but it's real small. Like, have you ever seen a like small, small gun before? Like a, almost like a Derringer size or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. It was really small. And he was like, get down on your knees. So at that point, I'm scared, but I want to protect my brothers in them because everyone else is younger than me at that point. So you were the oldest at five or six. Nah, my brothers in there was five or six. I was like eight. Okay. My older brother, he was twelve. Um. So, I wanted to protect them because, as an older brother, you protect your little siblings. That's what my mom told me. Yeah. So I ran up on the guy. I ran to him. I started hugging on him, and I told my brothers to go, and they started running. But the police had stopped by at that point. They drove by. They stopped, and the man he had started hugging me, and at that point I couldn't talk. So my brothers, they running down the expressway in the grass and the officer was like, what's going on? What's the problem here? And he was like, my child is being bad or something like that. Oh my God. And I was trying to scream and stuff, but he had my mouth pressed up against his stomach. So I couldn't scream or anything. So I bit the man, (laughs) like bit bit him harder. Like I seen blood come out of his like stomach. I bit him. And I told the police what was going on. I told him that we had been kidnapped from West End. And at that point, we had already been at Jonesboro. So the police had pulled his gun. And the man, he had pointed his gun at me like he was going to shoot me. While the, while the police were there? Yeah. Oh um, and the police had shot him when he had drawn his gun and acted like he was going to shoot me. So right in front of you, they Yeah, they basically. And my brothers, they was gone. And a man had brought them back up to me like um but he brought them up to me and said these kids are lost they said they was kidnapped and stuff like that and the police was like do you know your parents name and stuff like that and i told them and they just took us home wow like nothing happened they had us fill out a police report and everything and it was on the news the next day about what happened but did the guy die yeah he was dead he had got shot two times he definitely died and Ever since then, I really haven't really went out trick-or-treating or anything like that. My brothers and them, they still go. Yeah. They go with their friends and stuff, but I don't really go like that. I just go to parties, yeah. be with people who I know. Wow. That is one of the most insane stories I've ever heard. I can't, and I'll tell you, it, it does seem like you had like some sort of angelic protection because that story could have gone so much worse. Yeah, way oh, worse. Oh, my God could have been three kids dead instead of that one man that's right yeah because you know you know the statistics like pretty much once they get you it's over with yeah you're not going back home to mama oh my god wow i am so grateful that you made it out and your brothers i mean that's yeah wow and my mom she had bought a gun for the house for protection purposes only but i mean eventually i started keeping the gun under my mattress like when i was like 14 15 Every time I hear this story, I'm just so grateful 
it turned out the way it did. It could have been so much worse. And the bravery of our hero to protect his brothers as best as he could. Just wow. Also, we've got to give props to the police officers for managing to shoot and kill the kidnapper without harming the victim. Just crazy stuff. Our next story also has some pretty great ingredients for a horror story. The writer goes with her friend to an abandoned building in Mexico City and sees a lone man lurking in the area off the elevator. Anyone want to dance? Story number seven. Saturday, October 24th, 2020, 5.47 p.m. a couple years ago um i was living in mexico city at the time nice and my friend came to visit and she's a pretty good dancer like ballroom um salsa bachata kisomba different like partner style dances so she's pretty good she got hired to teach a class um they were gonna pay about like a hundred dollars for an hour wow so it's you know it's 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 decent it's not something you would risk your life over though no so they give us the address and this was like the year after there was a big earthquake in 2017 yep so they give us the address we show up it's this ginormous abandoned building it's got like 23 stories two like parts of the building it's like a big l it's complete it looks from the outside like the scariest building ever (laughs) abandoned no windows it just it's a very scary building apparently suffered earthquake damage so we show up and that's the address for the dance class. Wow. I was like, no, <laughs> I don't know. So we were just kind of like stare, like stay, like just waiting at the entrance. Um, and then we're like, I, I don't know. They sit on the fifth floor. So we go in and there was a guy like at the reception and he said we could go up. So we go up, but the elevator only goes up. So we get on the elevator what? and we get off and it was pitch black. Oh um, there's no electricity in this building. And so we turn, we take out our flashlight, like our cell phones, put on the flashlights. This is, okay, and then this is Mexico City, mind you. <laughs> in the middle of the hallway, standing in the dark, is like this black man with a Detroit Lions sweatshirt. Oh my God. So I was there with my dad who's from Detroit. Right. And I've, I've also lived in Detroit. So it was very clear that he was not Mexican. Right. And the first thing I do, I was like, oh, are you from Detroit? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, yeah, I am. And then we just start talking about Detroit. And then we're like, wait, like 30 seconds after we're like, wait, why are you here? <laughs> like in the middle of a, an abandoned building standing in the dark. In the most terrifying way. And yeah. he's like, oh, um, I'm waiting for the dance class to start. We're like, okay, so you're here for the dance class too. And then... We're like, well, do you want to come with us? And he's like, no, I was just meditating. So we're like, all right. So we left him in the dark to <laughs> meditate on the fifth floor of this abandoned building. Oh, my God. So we go over to, like, the dance studio, and they've got a generator set up. So they've got some electricity. And But still, I was like, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. There's no, like, electricity in this building. Um, so I'm like, I'm going to leave. So yeah. we tried to leave and the, we, that's when we figured out the elevators don't go down. So then we had to run down this like dark That's stairwell. a horror movie, by the way. That's a yeah. horror movie. Yeah. So literally like running out of it. Um, <laughs> we run out and then as we're running out, the dance like instructor shows up and he's like, 
oh, aren't you guys gonna, like, where are you going? We're like, I don't know, I'm not gonna stay here. And he's like, well, why? I was like, this is an abandoned building. And he's like, well, it's obviously not abandoned because we're in it. <laughs> like, That's that, hard argue, uh, yeah, logic to argue. I was with. like, I, I guess, but I don't, I don't, there's no electricity. And he's like, well, we have the generator. Um, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with this. So he was like, fine, you don't have to come. And my friend was like, well, I'm getting paid a hundred dollars. And I was like, yeah, but are you going to risk your life over it? And she's like, also, I like dancing. So if I die dancing, I die doing something I love. So that is amazing. she ended up teaching the class and we all survived. Wow. But I definitely felt bad just like abandoning her to her luck in an abandoned <laughs> building. I sat in a bar like two blocks away and just drank a drink oh until she God. was safe. Yeah, you're definitely not going to win Friend of the Year Award for that. <laughs> well, I'm glad everyone made it out of the creepy abandoned building, knowing how to dance a little better, along with a few bucks in the rider's friend's pocket. But no way would I want this young lady watching my back. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna be waiting to find out if you make it out alive while I hang out in the bar, okay? Great. So this next rider tells one of my all-time favorite stories I've ever been told, period. I mean, like, even outside of this podcast, just best stories ever. You know, sometimes I get people who ask me, what is the best story you've heard so far? And it's tough to answer that, you know, like choosing your favorite child or whatever, because there are so many great stories. But this one has got to be a contender. Story number eight, Saturday, October 24th, 2020, 7.44 p.m. Um, I'm 30. Um, I have five, six degrees. That's crazy. Um, one reason, um, I've always wanted to be a mortician. And the reason I ended up in culinary school is because the body woke up on me doing training of me studying at 18 to be a mortician. And I told the doctor, never mind, I'm going to go cut chickens up and go to culinary school. So, like, paint this scene for me. Like, what? The body woke up? Like, what? So, like, uh, they do their last breath and they, they have their last gas. Yeah. So, the gas woke up the body. His eyes opened up. He leaned up and he grabbed my arm. Dude, are you kidding me right and now? And I nearly, and this is on radio or podcast, yeah. I nearly shit my pants. Absolutely, as and you said, should. I'm going to culinary school. <laughs> I do want to let this man finish his story, but I also just want to take a moment to sit in that. Yeah, a dead dude opened his eyes, sat up, and grabbed this man's arm. Okay, back to regular programming. And then 30 years later, I get back into it, and then I started practicing. I'm not really scared of the dead bodies anymore. So it's okay wow. if they wake up now. I'll just look at them because I know you're going to die. I mean, <laughs> right. I know you're going to fall back down. Let's put it that way. Right, right. Um, and just like, because you we were talking earlier about, tell me, like, all your degrees. Uh, so I have a culinary degree. I have a baking and pastry degree. I have a 
degree in nutrition. That's my master's. I have a PhD in dietetics. And then I also have a PhD in mort mortuary, which is just like fun getting funeral homes and dealing with the dead bodies. And all of this by age 30? All of this by age 30. Dude, that is absolutely crazy. I don't know. Uh, the dead body story is probably crazier, but I just can't imagine even getting all those degrees. I have a tolerant, I have a very bad shopping habit, so I work really hard because okay. I got to be able to maintain my shopping habit. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely iconic backseat confessions podcast story right there. So crazy that it just has to be true. This next story, a family drama, could be something out of an old melodramatic novel. This guy was trying to tell this complex story with a zillion backstories, so I struggled to actually follow along with it the first time I heard it. I'm going to attempt to make this one a little more understandable than it was told to me. Okay, here's BCP's, uh, by the way, that's short for Backseat Confessions Podcast. Here's BCP's version of a family soap opera. Story number nine, Tuesday, October 27th, 2020, 12.09 a.m. Okay, so I work in retail. Okay. And um, the other day, this girl comes in and I just, you know, I greet her, very casual. She looked kind of familiar, but nothing, you know, you see a lot of faces in retail. And so I ask for her email, she gives me her email. Um, and I'm like, hmm, that sounds very familiar. <laughs> and then I press enter on our, you know, database, yep. and her address pops up. Okay. And it is for a Florida address. Whoa. And I say, so I said, do you know Patricia Khan? And she goes, I do. That's my grandmother. I say, Whoa. oh, that's my grandmother as well. And, um,. <laughs> So I'm going to tell you this story, and then I'm going to have to give you backstory to this story. Wow. So then I'm like, oh my goodness, how are you? How is your sister? How is X, Y, and Z? And she was kind of like, she got very cold. Ooh. She pulled away. And at one point she goes, well, this is awkward. And I said, no, it's not awkward at all. And I said, you know, if you're open to getting together and meeting, I would really love that and really enjoy that. And she says, well... You know, it's very difficult. and Or she goes, no, it's very complicated. And I said, I can understand how you feel that way. And she walks away. And that was how I met my estranged cousin. Oh. And so basically, um, many, 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 many moons ago, before I was born, my um, my mother was is first generation American. Yes. And um, her father... Uh, was diagnosed uh, paranoid schizophrenic and was abusive. Wow. And so there's six years between my mother and her sisters. So it goes, I have an uncle, then my mother, then six years, and then two girls. Okay. So my two aunts. And basically, for a long time he was okay, but then he got to a very, very bad place. And he became addicted to pain kills. And basically, he ended up ODing and dying. Oh. And um, my aunts blamed the death of 
their father on my mother. Oh. Yes. And so, because also part of the backstory is that my mother tried very hard because she was being sexually abused by her father to, to keep that away from, from the, uh, the younger girls. Right. You know? So I think there was like a weird, like, they had this story in their mind that wasn't the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, she, um, they believe that my mother killed their father. Oh. Out of of a broken heart. Okay, so as a recap, here's what I've pieced together so far. Our main character randomly meets his cousin while ringing her up at the register. The cousin wants nothing to do with him because her mom was his mom's younger sister. His mom is first-generation American and her dad was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and side note her dad was molesting her as a child his mother doesn't want to tell her siblings so they end up thinking that dear old dad just died of a broken heart presumably because our main character's mom doesn't really feel like hanging out with a creep okay so now we add in some additional tea part of the reason they think that uh, she died of a broken or he died of a broken heart was because my mother was dating um, a Christian man uh. who she eventually converted for it after, you know, when they got married, um, after his death, after my grandfather's death. Converted um, to Christianity, to Seventh day Adventism. Yeah. Um, and so, um, another crazy backstory is that when. Uh, my grandfather was alive, there was a man who came to my grandfather and said, I would like to marry your daughter. And he said, ha, not on your fucking life, bub. <laughs> he was like, you're not shit. You'll never be shit. And that's going to be a no for me. Right. And so when my grandfather died, that same man came back and took Basically, like, swept away uh, my aunt and was like, this is what your father would want, X, Y, and Z. All the while, knowing full well, turn left here, all the while fully fully knowing that he was denied already by my grandfather. Um, And mind you, I think he was like 20 or something like that, and my aunt was 16. So the added T is that our main man's mom left her original religion and converted to Christianity. Not sure what religion she was born into, but that's usually a niche niche to leave one's religion in most cultures. So you can see why there is this added animosity between the ants and his mom. They just see her distancing herself from dear old dad and leaving her original religion So this is just horrifying. And then we add in the morsel that the mother of the cousin that our main dude met was swept off her feet at 16 by a guy that pedophile daddy had already said no to. So cousin's dad just waits until the old pedo dies and then makes his move. Whew, okay, diving back in. So basically I have like 
eight cousins who I've never met before. I've only seen in pictures and heard of, and they didn't know about me until I was like 13. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I basically saw this girl and I was like, you look so familiar. And then I got her name and I was like, oh my God, you're my cousin. And I was oh. like, I would love to, con- like, if you're up to it, I would love to connect. I would love yeah. to, like, you know? Yeah. And at first, I was very upset, right. you know? Because, like, to be denied. Right. Especially to be denied by family exactly. is very, like, yeah. jarring. Especially having gone through, you know, your whole life being denied. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, you know what? I did the best that I could. You did. I was open, and I was receptive, and I, you know, I didn't... You know, like, even when she said it's complicated, it's really not complicated. Right. You know? Right. But, like, that's how she felt. And I didn't push her. And I didn't instigate her. And I just said, I just think that the crazy thing is, is that she was really shocked that that she had encountered me. Right. And I had actually encountered her mother once before when I was living with my grandmother. So the, my my aunt was like helping my grandmother renovate her home, and I was living in that home. Yeah. And I was getting ready for school, and the contractors and I had become very friendly. And so it, this he was like this like seventy year old man who knew he had no boundaries. So he would like open up the bathroom door, and you'd be like getting dressed, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> um, and he'd be like, ah, whatever. Um, so I'm getting ready, and he's like walking her through the house, and she sees me, and she like retreats around the corner. Because she couldn't acknowledge my existence. So for a while, like for like the day, I was like, oh my God, like Hmm. this just happened. But then I just was like, I just have to like release this. Like I tried and I was open and that's all you can do. And um, yeah. And especially because when I was living with my grandmother, after I, like I was, as I was leaving, I took her to dinner and I was like, I love you and I appreciate mm. you for everything you've given me, yeah. but I cannot respect you. Wow. And you've destroyed two generations now of this family and I cannot respect you. So to finish it up, our main guy only met his aunt once while she was being shown around the house of his grandmother by a potentially also creepy contractor? What? Ugh, I don't even have the energy to deal with that. But. The aunt that had gotten married at 16, mind you, to the sneaky guy who waited for dear old dad to kick off was now denying our main character's very existence. Good stuff. Then, in a dramatic close, he finally confronts Grandmama before he leaves her. I'm assuming the confrontation was because Grandmama must have known more than she was willing to admit to the rest of the family, and that withheld information was driving them all apart. (laughs) Just when you think your family of origin has issues. Am I right? In our last story for this episode, our writer shares some of her own family drama and a discovery about her ex that uh, helps explain a few things. Uh, times are a-changing, my friends. Story number 10. Tuesday, October 27th, 2020, 1.05 a.m. Oh, goodness, I lost my job recently. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I lost my job, and now everyone keeps asking me about it, and I have to lie and tell them that I still have the job. Oh. But, I mean... 
It's all right. Can you talk about what the job was? You don't have to tell um, where it was, but what type of job, maybe. Oh, my goodness. I was working with my family, but okay. I thought I was going to end up owning the business. Oh, man. And out of nowhere, we had a crazy argument, and things were said that weren't meant from the owners. Uh-oh. So, you learn the hard way, but you pick up fast, pretty much. Yeah. So, I went ahead and got a job with a job yeah. very fast, luckily. Yeah. Everything's falling in place, but then I just found out my ex-boyfriend last night, I found out okay. that my ex-boyfriend likes dating transsexuals. Oh, so, yeah, wow. To each his own. For sure. And I, I'm glad he's happy. Yes. But that, I found that out just last night. Like, And how long, how long were you dating him? We're dating, I'll say maybe, luckily about six months before. I'm like, things don't seem right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we're better off as friends. Yes. One time even, I caught him trying on my clothes. Okay, and got it. And he took a picture on Instagram, and that's how I realized he had my clothes on. But oh, my God. It's like, hold on. What is going on? Now it all makes sense. Now it all makes sense. Oh, my gosh. I wish, yeah. Yeah, that's. I could have been a better friend to him No, if I had known the truth. Right, exactly. In that manner, but. What did yeah, uh, and I found this out just just today, because it's still nighttime. I'm on a seat. <laughs> I just found this out three hours ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> so so when you asked him, like, why weren't you just honest with me, what was, uh, or did you even ask him that yet? No, it was like, this, I, I, he messaged me recently and asked me what was going on. I told him I was good. Yeah. He's just said he's embracing his life, embracing life's transitions. Ah, yeah. key word. Transitions. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that was a beautiful man. Sheesh. Oh, yeah. was he? Yeah. Oh. Well, you know, you're a beautiful person, and I believe that... Oh, they come a diamond dozen. There's more fish in the sea. That there's more fish in the <laughs> oh, sea. Yeah. yeah. Man, I just love our last rider's spirit. She lost what she'd hoped would be her family business, found out that her beautiful former boyfriend would rather date transsexuals and maybe transitioning okay not sure about the last one but just trying to read between the lines anyways our writer holds no ill will against anyone and just wishes her ex would have let her know so she could have transitioned herself into being a better friend more quickly and she's not worried for one second about finding another dude there's plenty of fish in the sea, as she so aptly puts it. So, to this lovely lady, I say, may we all learn to handle life's challenges with just half as much grace and confidence as you have. This is what happens when you're a rideshare driver in ATL and ask people for their stories. These weren't handpicked people with great stories. They just happened to get in my car and be gracious enough to share with all of us. I'd actually encourage all of us to every once in a while, just ask a stranger to share a story from their life. You never know what you might learn. I believe that our stories are powerful. They can make you laugh, cringe, cry, or even get you to think or feel differently. Our stories can truly make this world a little bit better place. Please 
Subscribe, rate, and listen to this podcast and share it with as many adults as possible. It would really, really mean so much to me. First and foremost, I want to thank the incredible writers who trusted me with their stories. You are my heroes. Thanks also to all the people in the background who have believed in this project slash dream. And all the music in this project was found on Pixabay. That's P-I-X-A-B-A-Y dot com. And it was free, which is an amazing gift when you're starting a podcast on a shoestring budget. 